RadioInfluence.com. As America's zone coach, premier thought leader, and the world's number one coach of champions, Jim Fannin is the go-to person. He has guided the careers of the best pro athletes from 10 sports and business executives from 50 industries. He has coached individuals, families, relationships, and students in simplifying and balancing their lives for more than 40 years. From winning Wimbledon, the World Series, and a gold medal, to losing 68 pounds, saving lost marriages, or overcoming financial ruin, Jim Fannin has been behind the scenes guiding individuals through the intricate process of peak performance. His success tools are not just for the superstar. They're designed to help you reach your full potential as you tap into life's most successful mindset, the zone. And now, please welcome the coach of champions and America's zone coach, Jim Fannin. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Jim Fannin Show. I'm Jim Fannin. My name is Seth, Jim's producer and and sidekick here on America's most positive podcast. So, Jim, let's get this thing going. I think when I ask you what's on your mind, there's probably several things in there right now, right? It's all about you. (laughs) It's It's all all about about you. You know, Seth, it's all about you. You know, when I'm designing a life blueprint, uh, most of my clients come to me, they want to make more money or they want to improve a relationship or they need more work-life balance. But the one place that they almost always put near the bottom, it's not first, it's the self arena. And the self arena contains thoughts, feelings, visions, goals, just about you. And, and that's from your principles of who you are, the philosophy of how you're going to live your life, but it really is about you on a physical sense, not just a psychological or mental sense. I mean, it's your hygiene. It is your spirituality, definitely, your religion. Uh, But it's about your wellness, your fitness. Uh, And that's been on my mind really quite a bit. And um, I, I want to talk about a, interesting human. Uh, it comes under the category, the biography of a failure. And I know this is okay. the, the, the most positive show, but I, I want to really talk about this one person, uh, talking all about him. This person that I want to talk about today had in a very extremely difficult childhood. I mean, it was not pleasant at all. Tough times, hard times, poor uh, dirt floor, well water. Uh, I can relate to all of that. Uh, had less than one year of formal education. Less than one year formal education. Uh, that's that's barely enough to get even basic reading. Like that's like alphabet. Uh, it, no. It's it, well, and try to get a job with that. Good luck. Uh, this person had a business in thirty one, failed miserably. Actually went under, bankrupt. Uh, decided to become a politician, defeated for the legislature in 32, had a business in 33, failed again. That's two businesses in a row down the tube. Elected, so that's good, to the legislature in 34. Had a fiancé that he loved with all of his heart. Well, she died in 35. That's 
that's a traumatic experience. That that's uh, that's a hardship. Defeated for speaker in thirty eight. Defeated for elector in forty. Uh, political career uh, obviously not going on all cylinders. Married wife was a burden. That's not a positive thing. Uh, that was in forty two. Had four sons with this wife, but only one Seth lived past the age of eighteen. So that's traumatic unto itself. Defeated for Congress in forty three. Elected for Congress, yay! In forty six. Defeated again for Congress in forty eight. Defeated for the Senate in fifty five. Defeated for the Vice President in fifty six, and again defeated for the Senate. In 58, you know, when you start thinking about a series of setbacks like this, doesn't it make you feel small to become discouraged? I mean, this this guy had a... (laughs) That's a lot of stuff. That's a lot of stuff. And and so if you think you're having a hard time, you can go to this guy and go, well, you know, I didn't have it that hard. So, you know, persistency in a struggle to reach your goals is the key. It's not just the triumph. It's how you get up from defeat. Success is getting up from defeat one more time. So this is a story about a man who kept getting up from defeat one more time. And although his failures were many and his successes were few, said this is one of our most beloved Americans, and, and you definitely know who it is because in 1860, Abraham Lincoln was elected President of the United States. Wow. That's an incredible amount of optimism. I mean, I, I knew when you got towards the end, it, you know, it, it became more obvious, but I, I had no idea. You know, he lost a couple businesses, he lost a fiance in just three, a few and, years. And, and three, and only one son lived past 18. I didn't know that either. Holy cow. It's pretty amazing what the, the human spirit can really do when you have a vision that wakes you up in the morning and, and puts you to sleep at night. This show, Seth, I, I want it to be about you. I want it to be about your self arena. Um, I want to talk a little bit about wellness because that's something each of us have the responsibility of what goes into our body. Uh, we have the accountability uh, by looking in the mirror going, oh my goodness. I guess Krispy Kreme diet, although I love them, especially when the light goes on. I get it, but they're not always your friend if you overindulge and don't complement it with something else. But the self arena, uh, you have the authority to manage that because we have free will. It's one of our greatest possessions, free will to have any thought we want. But here's a statistic, uh, Seth, on the wellness. Uh, 70%, according to the Wall Street Journal, of all visits to a primary care physician are for psychosomatic illnesses. Now, that, that's a disorder that is both mind and body. 70% of the visits are for psychosomatic illnesses. And um, only 16% of people who visit their doctor uh, for common things like nausea or headache, stomach upset, are actually diagnosed with a physical organic cause. So what, what does that mean? That means 84% are suffering from an illness 
that originated in their head. You know, can I give an extreme example here? Please do. When I was in college, I remember a friend telling me that she thought she had a, a pretty um, like tropical mosquito-borne disease that was kind of the, what people were afraid of at the moment. And I just looked at her and I said, you got this mosquito-borne disease in November in Chicago. <laughs> and she's like, okay, may- maybe not. <laughs> but, I mean, she talked herself into it. She'd seen something on TV and talked herself into, oh, man, I have that cough. I feel like I have that rash. I must have this weird well, you know, tropical I, virus. How about uh, every commercial, some drug commercial that we watch on television, it comes down to the disclaimers. Uh, you could have suicidal thoughts. You could die. Uh, you, liver disease. And, and when they read off all of the things that might happen by taking that drug, somebody goes, I've taken that drug. I've been, I've had nausea. Oh, oh my goodness. And then, you know, then we get online and do some research. And the next thing we know, uh, we could be right in the midst of a uh, psychosomatic illness. Uh, we are what we think, Seth. That's what this show's about. But, you know, I, I want to talk about prevention. I want to talk about super healing. Uh, a lot of sports clients that I've had uh, and still have, um, I've gone through not just prevention, but I've also helped them. If you do get injured, the healing begins immediately, instantly. And let's talk about the sniffles. I, I was on the phone this morning with a lady uh, on the phone. And we're ha- having an inter- interaction on the phone. And she is complaining to a stranger, first time I'd ever talked to her, about she's coming down with something and, you know, it's going around down here where she was and she's not feeling well. And, <coughs> you know, she's, she's coughing. I think she's just going to talk herself. I, I didn't want to give her a seminar, but I kind of wanted to give her a seminar. Uh, to prevent that. If you're listening and you get the sniffles, just the sniffles. Now, when you were a little kid and you got the sniffles, mom bundled you up, put on the mittens, maybe were the ones that uh, hooked to your jacket so you didn't lose them, but bundle up, uh, drink soup, get to bed. uh, Whatever mom did, as soon as you got the sniffles, she was on it. Well, we get the psychological sniffles but we also get real sniffles and mom's not around. You know, we're adults. If you get the sniffles, the first thing you need to think of is I'm well. I am well. Right? Make that statement as soon as you have it and change your behavior as soon as you know that you have the sniffles or you have a little cough. Just change your behavior. Become well. Your subconscious, which controls all of your bodily functions and including superhealing, does not know the difference between fantasy and reality. So you need to act well. I've also learned that the sniffles probably was caused by some organism that through airborne uh, interaction with other people came into the body, built a little nest, feasted, and... uh, replicated, and all of a sudden it is trying to take over your body. Now you get really, really sicker. I've learned that 
a living organism does not want to live in a hostile environment. So if I get the sniffles, I go hostile, I go medieval, get out of the temple of Jim, get out, you're going to die violent death. Now, I'm not going to say everything I say because I get locker room crazy. You must get out of the temple of, of Jim. I'm, I'm well, I'm well, I'm well. And then I start drinking more water, more water, more water, flush it. I'm going to flood you out. You're all going to drown. You better leave. Get out of the temple of Jim. But you need to go on the offense, not become the victim or even the judge. Oh, I probably got this when I was on the airplane. Oh, gosh, I can't believe it. I feel horrible. And then you start talking yourself into it, and then it opens up the floodgates, and now whatever's in your body, bacteria, it starts to replicate. Living organisms do not want to be in a hostile environment. Make your body hostile to anything foreign. Now, that's with the sniffles. That's with a cold or any symptoms that you get. In terms of injury, um, if I'm coaching an athlete and they do get injured, uh, the trainers, the doctors, they're very protective. They will go overboard in protecting them for lots of reasons. Lawsuit could be one of those reasons. And uh, they'll put you on the 60-day disabled list, the 30-day, the 15-day, but they're going to ensure that you're going to be well before they put you back on, on the court, on the field, wherever it is. Um, now, Mike Timlin is retired pitcher, formerly of the world champion, the first world championship uh, uh, of the Boston Red Sox. And Mike and I have had the discussion of what to do if and when he gets injured. The whole process so we could activate super healing. So that's one of the first things I do with a client. We need to get back on the field. You're responsible for your own body. So we had gone through that multiple times, so he was definitely prepared. Do we want an injury? Of course not. But we need to know how to activate the body if we do have one. In this particular case, he went down with a knee injury, twisted himself, feeling a ball, uh, twisted his knee, He immediately knew he was seriously injured. And as he's laying on the ground, he shuts his eyes and visualizes a dam being open and water leaving the dam. And so what he did, he mentally said, all water, which is going in to swell up my knee to protect it so I don't do anything, the water's going away. And so the doctor, he he did that instantly. This is symbolic imagery. So he saw inside of his knee this little dam and all the water went away and everything was dried out and so it didn't swell instantly. So the doctors didn't think it was that bad. Mike said, it's bad. I just controlled the swelling. You know, and they look at him like, what? How do you do that? The next day he has surgery. A little tear. They wanted to put him on the 60-day, and he goes, no, I'm not going on the 60-day. I'll be fine. I will overcome this swiftly. And then he started visualizing repairing the knee himself. He also visualized uh, taking a little rubber uh, rake, if you will, 
to smooth out the striations of all the muscles that were around the injury that was uh, tensing up to protect it. He wanted more circulation back in that area for super healing. And then he started visualizing doing things. This is right after surgery. He started visualizing doing things on that knee that he'd never done with a perfect knee. You know, like jumping off a 10-foot, you know, 10-foot high platform onto one knee, you know, onto one leg. Okay, well, I'm not sure he was going to do that when he was well. So he started doing all kinds of things that he'd never done with that knee, making it a super knee. Bottom line is, in 10 days, they wanted to put him on the 60-day. In 10 days, he pitched off the mound. Pretty amazing. And shocked the world. Yeah, you know, Mike and I actually got on uh, Major League Baseball radio uh, and, and discussed this. You are in charge of you. Super healing. Now, this doesn't just work with uh, injury, and and this just happened to a collegiate quarterback, an athlete, recently who sprained his ankle. He was going to miss a lot of practice into the big spring game, which was everything was leading up to this spring game to see who's going to be the starting quarterback. And uh, he used that visualization for super healing. So the injury is on a Saturday. I saw the pictures. It was horrific. Really, it was horrible. He started doing this type of uh, uh, mental, symbolic imagery of super healing. Monday he went to practice. Everything was fine, and he just had an awesome spring game. Has done really well, and he will be in contention as a starting quarterback in the fall. Now, does it work for things more serious? And the answer is yes. You have the responsibility, the accountability, and the authority to facilitate super healing. And now I'm not telling you not to use medical assistance. You definitely go to a doctor. You definitely get treatment and and, and research it thoroughly, get the right people, get an expert. Uh, But coupled with regular medical help, you can facilitate uh, some healing. And, and some recovery, and I, I know in 30 days, me personally diagno- diagnosed with uh, some skin cancer, 30 days, I got rid of it uh, with this symbolic imagery. And you have to become well when you're obviously not. You have to come well when you're obviously got the sniffles and you're coming down with a cold. Uh, another person in the last year uh, recovered from throat cancer. It is completely in remission, and he used the same techniques of super healing visualization and and seeing everything the way he wanted it to be as if it's so. Now, if I'm going to go go ahead and play the other side of the card here, just from some of my own personal experience, I was I've been a swimmer my whole life. It's the place I have the most creative breakthroughs. I I love swimming. I competed in swimming. I love getting in the pool. And Jim, you've said on the show before, like when you start to have those moments where your brain is just kind of lapsing, like you leave the restaurant, leave your credit card, you leave your keys in a little cup holder thing at the movie theater. That's probably time to reboot, right? It probably means there's something going on. Well, I was in a lot of chaos in my head and I went to the pool to kind of, you know, get some, uh, get some perspective, right? 
forget my flip-flops. Any swimmer will tell you, you need to wear flip-flops right to the edge of the pool to avoid you know, illness, injury, that type of thing, not getting germs. I get a tiny cut on my foot, which apparently got some bacteria in it. Within about 36 hours, I was in the emergency room with an infection in my foot and a 104-degree fever. And then at that point, I'm still thinking, oh, how could this happen when I got so much going on? I'm under so much stress. Why, I, why, why would this happen to me? Yeah, how could vic- I have to spend that, a lot? And that's a victim. You know, that's a victim thought. Uh, I think when you take on that victim role, uh, especially when it's a ill-timed uh, injury, when you actually need to be fit, it's easy. We've all been victims of a circumstance or victim of a condition or a victim of a situation. And, and we need to starve the victim in us and catch yourself talking like a victim. The other thing, Seth, you need to starve the judge because you could have easily said, well, I, I can't believe the swimming pool would have those sharp edges near near the edge of the pool. Well, yeah, or some high school kid, if he just would have cleaned that day when he was supposed to, I wouldn't be in the hospital right now. What, what's up with that guy, right? Yeah, so, you know, it, it's that kind of dialogue that just adds another log to the fire of chaos thinking. Super healing is gone. It, it's now just it'll run its course and whatever the injury is, it is. But you can facilitate this. I mean, I have so much confidence in what the body can do. It is a miracle machine. But again, we have the responsibility. We have the authority. And, of course, we have the accountability uh, to take care of us. And that this is not someone else taking care of you. This is not mom or dad taking care of you. This is not your significant other reminding you, don't eat all of that food that you shouldn't be eating or overindulging in something. We must take absolute control of everything. And there's two things, uh, three things that we need to do. One, we need to move. We're humans. The more we can move, the better. Um, Two, we need sleep because it has amazing restorative properties. And we need to hydrate. And... uh, If we move, uh, if we stretch, if we hydrate, and if we get great sleep, uh, that's also going to facilitate super healing. I got seven ways, Seth, to sleep your way to success. Okay. All right. I see you've got that little uh, funny look on your face. Very. This is is sleeping alone, (laughs) Seth, by the way. It's sleeping alone. Uh, it it all comes down to you really do you treat yourself like a champion? Do you get enough rest and do you get enough sleep? Uh, a recent study, thirteen countries showed that thirty one percent of Americans um, feel they aren't getting the right amount amount of sleep. And this was of thirteen countries, and America was one of them. We are one of the most sleep deprived nations on this planet. We've got twenty four hour multimedia. Uh, We've got negative stress. There's a lot of things that can keep us awake at night. And and I know sleep is a challenge to some of the young athletes, especially the baseball players. We're in baseball season right now. You know, they have day games, they have night games, routines are absolutely thrown upside down. Um, 
I just had a discussion with one of the young athletes about routine, and that's really number one on the list to sleep your way to success. You need to have sleep routines, and they need to be enforced 45 to 60 minutes before you sleep. You need to have a transition period to wind down your day, have a little short meditation. Let's make it simple. It's just a giant reboot. Clear your mind. Have no thoughts uh, about what's transpired throughout the day. Then you can plan your next day in little macro images, little short mental movie. Um, if you want to take a shower, a lot of people do shower at night, then do so. Brush your teeth. Organize what you're going to wear the next day. Organize what time you're going to wake up the next day. And uh, choose the items that you need to do and set them in the same order. That's a routine. Now, we all go to sleep, not always at the same time. So if you can, try to get your nighttime clock the same time. Now, the baseball players, night game, day game, that's, they have to make those adjustments. And I, and I think a lot of us have routines. You take a shower, uh, you map out your day. But do you have mental routines? And in that transition, are you only thinking about what you want? Now, if you're going to sleep thinking about what you don't want, and you're thinking, oh, my goodness, all negatives, and maybe you've got some anxiety about a speech you're giving the next day, and you're thinking maybe, maybe it doesn't go well, or I hope it goes well. Even a thought, I hope this goes well, puts on the screen of it not going well. I would avoid that. Now, think about this. At night, if I want to have a good sleep, whatever I think is going to be recorded, replayed 15 to 20 times while I'm sleeping, and now you know why you don't get a good night's sleep. You better think about what you think about. Make that part of your routine. So that's number one. Next, music. No other electronics. M music soothes the savage beast in us. Uh, it is a pipeline to the zone. We want to be in that zone state when we sleep. I would avoid late-night TV. I know we all do it. I would avoid serious computer work, uh, social media, texting, email, cell usage. you got to have a transition that's peaceful. So music only. I would avoid other electronics. Now. Turn the temperature down. We all know this. We don't always do that. I would have the temperature in my room 70 degrees or less. And uh, to this day, I have a comforter on in the summer. Everybody's like, what? Yeah, because I, I dropped the temperature. It's snugly in the comforter. And cold temperatures are very conducive for deep sleep. Lower the temperature in your room, which means you may have to Raise the air conditioning uh, as summer comes up. Dim light or darkness, total darkness is preferable. I know we got some 50-year-olds that still need the nightlight. I get, you know, <laughs> sad. I got it. It's okay. Uh, I need it so I can find my way to the bathroom in the middle of the night and don't bump into something. But total darkness is much better. And if you do have to have a light, make sure it's really, really dim light. Breathe like a baby. This is a technique. Place your hand on your stomach. Reduce your breathing to six to eight breaths per minute. 
Long inhale, long exhale. Allow your stomach to move your hand as you inhale and exhale and get relaxed so you can transition. Now, if you're really stressed about the upcoming day or what transpired during the day, you can use tension release. It's real simple. You'll start with your feet, tense them, hold that tension in your feet for 10 seconds, no more than that. Five seconds will actually do the trick, and then release it. But you want your awareness on that body part, feet, calves, thighs, lower abs, upper abs, chest, bicep, two fists, shrug your shoulders, scrunch up an ugly face, and... Um, and then release. And then uh, right before uh, you go to sleep, tense every muscle in your body and then just breathe like a baby and relax. I think one of the biggest keys, however, is think about what you think about. I mean, after you're lying in bed and relaxed, um, only think about what you want in your life, your business, your sport. Uh, whatever you think during this time, I, I'm just telling you, it's going to be replayed 15 to 20 times. So you better think about what you want, not what you don't want. So be careful what you think about. And the other thing that, that I've learned through research, if you think the same positive thing, unfortunately, it works for negative things. Seven to 10 days in a row, your subconscious uh Get stressed in a good way, you stress, E-U-S-T-R-E-S-S. It'll do everything to manifest it, um, but even if it's bad for you. So think only what you want, not what you don't want. Good night, champion. And that's how you go to bed, and that's how you wake up. The other thing that's on my mind is bikinis, bathing suits, gym on a beach, Jim at the pool. I just, Seth made me visualize him swimming. <laughs> Thank you, Seth, for putting that into my head of Seth swimming. How many of us need a new, bigger bathing suit? How many of us would like to have the little tiny bathing suit we wore last year or five years ago? So, you know, if weight loss is on your mind, uh, get started right now. This show is about you controlling your body, your mind, and your spirit. It's all about you. Never have a day of food that you haven't already had. Never have a day of food that you haven't already had. What does that mean? Okay, it's nighttime right now. What am I eating for breakfast? Am I going to have a snack? What am I eating for lunch? What time am I eating lunch tomorrow? Will I have a snack? What is the snack? And what am I eating for dinner? I would visualize food that is conducive for you not gaining weight. Food that's conducive for you uh, having a lower caloric intake. Now, once you visualize it, about an hour before sleep, uh, it's going to be very difficult to be ambushed. Come on, have, come on, Seth, have a donut. One donut's not going to hurt you. But if you've never had a, a day of meals that you haven't already had, it's going to be tough to get off track. 
You know, I've never thought about it this way before, but I, it just hit me that a lot of times when, you know, your your physical wellness plans don't fail, you want to drop 10 pounds, be in better shape for the summer, and it doesn't happen. A lot of times that's not a food or an exercise problem at its core. It's a lack of a blueprint issue. <clears throat> it, this is a weight loss br- blueprint, a fitness wellness blueprint. You're absolutely right, Seth. There's a chapter uh, in the blueprint book uh, on the self arena. Uh, the other thing is, if hydrating is not your best friend, visualize hydrating. If an exercise program is not in a routine, never have a day of exercise that you haven't already had. Visualize your day. This takes seconds. See yourself going for a walk. And the night before is where this all happens. And I do it an hour before sleep. And uh, just at the beginning of that hour, never have a day you haven't already had. Uh, The other thing, when you're eating, breathe and keep your mind clear while dining. In fact, quit eating. Start dining. You're the king. You're the queen. Dine. Even if it's not dining, tablecloth, candlelight uh, dinner. Dining means that you put your fork down between bites. Now, I've gained weight and I've lost weight in my life. And my mom had the same challenges. And what I've learned is if you'll put your fork down, sometimes you take a big forkful of food, put it in your mouth, and you're chewing it and you're talking a little bit with other people. And without realizing it, you've already loaded your fork while you're still chewing your food. Your fork is loaded, ready to shovel another bite. If you're thinking about things that you don't want while you eat, you will eat faster, and consequently, you will eat more. When you fuel your body, make it a dining experience. Because the king and the queen, you need to dine. Stop eating. Dine. Take your time. Don't stand up and eat. Sit down. I would avoid eating at my desk. Get up. Move. Go somewhere else. Go outside if it's nice. Your keyboard's gross after you get stuff on it anyway. So let's just keep things clean. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No honey. No honey. (laughs) It's sticky keys. That's not good. You know, Seth, so... We can take charge of this, but we need to think about what we think about. But the night before is key, and then obviously uh, with your meals. Now, there's one other thing that will assist you. Picture right now, everybody listening, picture you at optimum weight, your optimum body. Picture yourself, Seth, smiling. You got that six-pack and the big pecs going. (laughs) I, I just saw Rampage, uh, actually, over the weekend, by the way. It was awesome. I was pretty surprised. I didn't even know it was an old video game. So Seth was visualizing being... Uh, the Rock. The, the Rock, yes. I knew, but that's fine. The Rock ready to fight a giant flying wolf, yeah. <laughs> yes, a flying wolf, 30-foot high flying wolf, by the way. Uh, visualize yourself as if it's so, as it will be, your optimum weight. And also make sure you're not putting the self down. 
self-deprecating as you get up out of a chair go, oh, oh my gosh. Or you're talking about being old. I'm so old. Uh, we talked we talked about that on the show. How we talk about our age in a negative way. We talk about ourselves being out of shape in a negative way. And um, I think it's time that we take charge of the self arena in us. Nobody else is going to do it. It's totally up to us. Yeah. And, you know, the reason that we're going to continue to do multiple shows specifically about the self is because all those other things on the blueprint that you've got, those are dependent on you being able to function, you being healthy, you being clear minded, you know, where knowing where you're going. And so, you know, when you said at the beginning, when everybody says, you know, you know, I want to go to the Hall of Fame, I want to grow my company by a certain, you know, a certain percentage. It's really hard to grow your company. It's really hard to hit home runs at a hospital bed. In it, fact, it, it is, Seth. And, and also this age factor, we've been brainwashed that we're all going to die at whatever the actuary of the insurance company says, this is the end of life for the average human. 78 years old, uh, 80 years old. You don't know me. Maybe I do. Maybe there's a DNA. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe it is what it is. But you don't. They don't know you. They don't know how you think. Why not 125? Why not have a visualize a blow? In fact, I think I'll have a birthday party when I'm 125. You're all invited. It's going to be awesome. It's going to, we're going to, I'm going to invite some cool, it's going to be a blowout. Yeah, exactly. But you, you have to see what you want, not opposed to, as opposed to what other people think we should do or what other people think we should be. And um, I, I want us to control what we can control. I mean, one of the things that we can do right now is control the seeables. Okay. That's a word I've not heard before. Seeables. Seeables. Uh, that's probably not in the dictionary. <laughs> that's a Jim Fannin special right there. I, I think I made that. Yeah. I've been talking about seeables. Yeah. There's seeables, beables, and doables. I'll get into my bulls all the time. Uh, and, and right now, a seeable is something that you see on a routine every day. So what do you see every day? Your sink. You wake up in the morning you go in to brush your teeth, you go in to shave, and there's your sink, and it is not looking good. It is a seeable, and it's in disarray, and it's got everything on the counter, uh, everything, and things are open, and the tube of toothpaste is, there's toothpaste down in the sink that's hardened. You know, that's a seeable. Clean that up. You're going to see that twice a day. Make it look nice. And every time we have our house clean or every time we really do a deep cleaning on our house, it's one of those, this is awesome. I love it. It's worth the time. That's a seeable. How about your closet? We all go into our closet, pick a shirt, pick a jacket, pair of pants. How many times have we gone in the closet and we're stepping over stuff? Uh, the blue shirts are all mixed up with white shirt. There's no order. But how awesome is it when your closet is perfect and it looks great and everything is in order? It, it makes me feel like I'm in order. So the closet, that's a seeable. This weekend, 
clean your closet. You're going to see it twice. How about making your bed? Yeah, but I'm going to get back in it later tonight. Why do I make it? Nobody's coming in my bedroom. I mean, what's the big deal? Well, you know, I travel a lot, and how badly would I feel if I check into a nice hotel and I go in and the bed's not made? And I'm like, what's up with that? I'm immediately unhappy. Change rooms, right? Well, you need to treat your own bedroom the same way. What's up with that? But a clean room? It puts order, not chaos, back in my life. So make your mama's right. And, and I struggled making my bed as a kid in junior high and high school and college. Forget about it. But, you know, I like a neat bedroom because I'm going to be there uh, in the morning and I'm going to be there in the evening. Make it nice. You know, we all want to get out of town for the weekend from time to time. And there's a lot of reasons to do that. You know, reboot, refresh. However, part of the reason I think sometimes we want to get out of town is because we have such a nice, fresh, organized place to lay our heads down and wake up. And you want to go out of town for new experiences, for a new perspective, but you can still have that thing at your own place, which most of us don't do it. Well, how many of us do this, Seth? We're in a rush to pack and we're bringing things out of the closet and everything's in disarray and we're packing and we're going on a weekend trip or a week trip or a vacation. And when we come back, the disarray, now we've had a great vacation and we come back and the house is a mess. One of the things that uh, in our house that we take the time to do is actually prepare the house to come back so it's clean. How do you do that? Well, you have a member of your house that's maybe a little OCD uh, it's not me. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, so, you know, a- as you're packing, you can still be cleaning things up, make the bed so that when you come back, you feel refreshed and you're back into order as opposed to coming back into chaos. Now, the garage. Spring is here. We're going to look better going to the swimming pool, but... If you park your car in your own garage, stepping over stuff to get to your car, well, that's not a positive. That's a seeable, Seth. You want your garage to be in order because you're going to see it when you get in your car and you're going to see it when you get out of your car to go back into the house. Speaking of cars, clean the inside of your car. Keep it clean. Clean the outside of your car. It may, it's amazing. Some, doesn't it feel like your car drives better when it's clean? You know, you get it detailed or something, you go, wow, it drives so much better. It probably doesn't, but that seeable makes you feel order as opposed to chaos. And when we feel order and when we see order, life's awesome. That's how you live in the zone. Clean up your syllables, everybody. That includes me. That includes you. We need to take care of our syllables. And when you do, you just feel more successful. You know, I was thinking about getting into a, a car with a friend who's, who's done well in business. And I remember him moving fast food wrappers so I can get into his Porsche. And I'm like, somehow this just doesn't feel like the same luxury. <laughs> well, you know, pick stuff off, off I, the seat. Seth, I, I was in L.A. and a guy said he was going to pick me up. Uh, we're going to go to a restaurant. I said, I'll just meet you there. And he did the same thing. 
he's taking uh, food wrappers out of the front seat with clothes. And I'm thinking, do I want to do business with this guy? I mean, if, if he, if his car is in disarray, it's a reflection. Maybe his life is in disarray. Maybe has low self-discipline. Uh, definitely with the, that seeable. But to allow another person to see that, what does that say? I, I, I don't know. I Anyway, did not do business with that person. And I, I, I commend that decision. Uh, because you know what? As we connect everything in this episode, right? All around the self, it's easier to stay healthy when you don't have chaos. And it taking is. care of those little things like, you know, having your house in order, having your car in order, those things do help you stay well because you don't have those little shots of stress every time you walk with the sink. Oh, I ought to clean that, but but I didn't. And now it's been six weeks and it's still gross. And now let's go to your office. Let's go to your office. Now, just because your office is neat doesn't mean you're a great business person. It doesn't. I've seen fastidiously cleaned offices and the guy's spilling red ink. You know, he's, he's got a lot of losses. But I will tell you, you go into an office that's in disarray. I had an accountant. I was interviewing. I went to his office. It was in total disarray. And I'm like, he's going to help me organize my stuff when he can't organize his stuff. Anyway, I didn't choose him as a CPA. He was, uh, you know, crossed off that list. So these are all the seeables. Now let's talk about beables. Okay. What do you want to be? Do you want to be more positive? Well, then you need to have a blueprint for being more positive. What is being positive to you? Uh, you need to think about what you think about. Do you want to be more confident? Well, do you have routines where you sell you on you? One of the things I've done for salespeople uh, is write out a 60-second little infomercial on the awesomeness of you. I've had everybody in my full-day seminars do this. So everybody's writing a little commercial, infomercial, that they're going to give, and it'll go something like, my name is, I am awesome. I, it's like you're giving this commercial to uh, a television network audience, convincing them that you're awesome and you're showcasing all your positives. I think if you're a salesperson, uh, the toughest sales job is selling you on you. So that commercial, you start doing that alone, selling you on you, uh, that'll help you clean up uh, the beable to be that person. You've got to be a $100,000 person, a million-dollar person, a billion-dollar person long before the cash comes in. You've got to be the champion long before the championship accolades, selling you on you. But I would make that a routine once a week. Sell you on you at personal self to get alone or they'll think, you know, wow, you're, you're talking to yourself. What's going on? <laughs> this is probably not for the treadmill at the gym. <laughs> this is not for the, well, I guess you could, but it's probably, I would avoid the treadmill at the gym. I would have the treadmill in my house, but these are beables. What do you want to be? What principles do you want to have? And, um, and then, of course, there's doables. What do you need to do to make a difference in your life? 
And that's not just a to-do list of going to the cleaners or getting a haircut. These are macro issues that you want to do. Um, you know, Seth, we we have two to 3,000 thoughts a day. The champion has less. They've eliminated thoughts that cause the worry, anxiety, the fears. Uh, the best stay out of the past, which dredges up the anxiety, the fears. Uh, we stay out of a negative future of using our imagination to think, oh, you know, this will happen, that'll happen. Oh, my gosh, this is going to be bad. I can just tell it. This is not going to be a good dinner. That type of thinking is all under the self arena. It needs to be eliminated. But you've got to be aware of it, and you need to commit to it on a regular basis to clean up your inner dialogue. You have the responsibility. It's your inner dialogue. I've said this many times on the air, and I've said it, I don't know how many times, to client. If I talk to you the way you talk to you, you'd fire me. You'd get rid of me if I talk to you the way you talk to you. So one of the things is uh, a beable is positive self-talk. I, the goal is to be your genuine, be your genuine, authentic best self. Well, positive self-talk is right at the top of the list. Take care of your self-talk. Take care of the seeables in your life. Take care of your wellness. Take care of your food intake. Take care of your sleep and your spirituality. And, and if you need to get back into your own spirituality, and I'm not talking religion, but if you need to reconnect with whatever religion or faith that you have, then connect. Put a time limit on it. I'm doing it. Don't just put that off to the side. You, you need to treat yourself like a champion if you want the champion accolades and the fruits that champions could have. But, you know, once you take charge of your life like this, you're going to have such impact on other people around you because this zone performer, this person, she's contagious in a good way. So start an epidemic of extreme positivity and you'll see your neighborhood change, your family change. And, uh, and Seth, you can actually see an entire community change. And I, I am, uh, Ashland, Kentucky is where I'm from, and it's come on hard times. It's uh, a city that has been stripped of uh, economic opportunities. Uh, major industry has left. There is a new industry that is arriving. It's not built yet, but it, it's in the process. So my area in Appalachia does have a glimmer of hope. But right now, be in the zone and who's in the zone? Ashland, Kentucky, you're in the zone. Uh, high schools, looking high school students from that area in the eye, I saw hope. I saw possibility, and I, 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 in Ashland, Kentucky, to help my city change its mindset, opioid use, top in the country. How, how devastating that that could even happen. Forty years ago, never had anything like that. Um, locking your doors 40 years ago, we never locked our doors. There was no burglaries. It's pretty amazing how... In 40 years, an entire community's changed. So how do you change a community? 
one person at a time, one household at a time, one family at a time. And if you have a family and you're the head of that family, take charge of the thoughts in the family and provide tools to help everybody in your family think in a positive way. And, and that, that is your family brand that you're responsible. And everybody in the family, be aware of the seeables in the house. Billy, Janet, clean your room. You know, I'm your dad. Clean your room. Make your bed. Do it. Uh, so many parents today are not doing that. So uh, that's me going to Ashland and trying to provide as many tools, techniques, and tips as possible to help individuals in that area be the best that they can be. And uh, it's really, they say you can't go back home. Well, they're wrong. My (laughs) my roots are in Appalachia. I was born, I was raised there. I'm still a hillbilly from Kentucky, and I'm very proud of it. And uh, I'm excited about Ashland, Huntington, West Virginia, Ironton, Ohio. There's so many good people trying to lift the uh, community up from uh, economic stress and uh, all the other things that have happened. And um, it's really good to be back in my hometown, my home state. So in the zone, an entire region there touching three states. We're going to continue to take a look in on just how getting into the zone, you know, economically, culturally, personally, uh, is changing this area. I'm, I'm pretty pumped about this. Yeah, I'm going to give you more feedback. Uh, I, I'm, I'm actually here now uh, in this area. So, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, with the time this uh, show broadcasts, uh, I will have, I'll be deep in Appalachia. There's no question about it. If we can look at some other zone performers this week, this is a little bit out of left field. I'm going to go ahead and put 42-year-olds in the zone. 42-year-olds in the zone. Uh, tell me. I, I, tell me more. I, I'm pumped. New study by MIT says that there are more people starting businesses in their early 40s and succeeding than ever before. And I I love it when myths get broken down like this, you know, where it's like, well, you know, Steve Jobs started Apple Computer when he was in his 20s and Uber is started by a guy named Travis who was in his 20s. And if you're going to make it, well, you just got to be that iconoclast that somehow came out of your late teens with this this crazy idea. And, and the negative thinking, I'm 40, I'm over the hill. Are you kidding me? And, and this study just blows that myth away. Over the hill, you're at the renaissance, the rebirth and the reinvention of you. It's never too late. Well, and even if we can just talk technology for a second, kind of that 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 negative, that judge, that victim thing of like, well, I can't do anything with technology. I'm you know, I'm 40 or whatever, you know, I'm working with people in Chicago who are in the tech industry who are at the top of their game, who are as good as anybody in their 60s and 70s, and they're crushing it. So they've decided not to buy into that negative talk that like, well, what what are you going to do with technology? You're 70 years old. I'm going to go in and win is what I'm going to do. Yeah, I I totally agree on that. And um, uh, 40, uh, that I love that study. I, you know, I've always felt that it's good to Get the feedback that this is true. Reinvention. It's never too late. As a matter of fact, I am coaching a 60-year-old person right now who is reinventing their entire life, every facet, and embarking on a new career. Um, I'm fired up to help this person do that. Um, 
never say never. It's never too late. And I, I think the thing that's really got me fired up helping this 60-year-old person, uh, who is my junior, but to help this person is the passion is still there. And if you still have passion for being your genuine, authentic self, age, it's got nothing to do with it. You need that passion that wakes you up in the morning, tucks you in bed at night, and that passion is going to fuel uh, your commitment to a blueprint of what you want as opposed to uh, no passion, living a life that you don't want. We've done this exercise. If you're in a place right now where you have chaos and you start thinking about your life and you're aware now that, yeah, I need to clean up my seeables and I need to take control of myself, um, it's never too late of reinvention. I mean, people have reinvented themselves multiple times throughout a lifetime. Great study, Seth. I'm fired up. And if we can do one more in the zone performer, we're going to go from 42-year-olds down to nine-year-olds here and give a shout-out to Lily Platt. She's over in Europe. Uh, This is pretty terrible. She found out that a whale had died from like 30 pounds of plastic in its stomach. Oh, my goodness. And so normally, you know, Normally, you're going to see that and go, oh, that's sad. I, I should recycle. And it's it's out of your head because we don't hold thoughts very long, right? This nine-year-old has cleaned up more than 600 miles of coastline as she's gone up and down the coast uh, trying to uh, you know make the area where she lives a better place to be. And she's actually now speaking to conferences of adults about about plastic. What? What? She's nine. She's nine. Oh, my goodness. I mean, can you imagine being the parent that has to call into school? Yeah, sorry. She won't be into fourth grade today. She's got another keynote conference to speak at. Got another keynote. 600 miles of shoreline. You know, that's impressive. And and that says one person, regardless of age, can make a difference. And that's you listening right now. You control you. And once you do that, this all starts in the mirror. This nine-year-old looked in the mirror, was impacted by what she saw, and she decided and committed to doing something about it. And what I like about the nine-year-old, she was naive, which was a positive. She, she didn't know she couldn't do it. You're only nine. And kudos to mom and dad. And that's really where it goes to. That, that's mom and dad really coaching and mentoring possibility thinking. It, it depends on what you think, not what other people uh, put barriers on you of what not to think. You know, and th- these things happen. People succeed at business in their 40s when they're not supposed to. A nine-year-old cleans up miles and miles of shoreline when she's not supposed to be able to. And I'm, I'm going to toss in one more here. Uh, Jessica Johnson, she's a graduate of Howard University, decided that it's it doesn't have to be like it is as far as the student uh, debt crisis is because a lot of people are graduating with a lot of student debt, right? Yep. Oh yeah. She got get this two hundred thousand dollars of scholarships to college because she was fastidious about applying, and of course that's way more than you could actually use. So she had to give, you know, once she got school all the way paid for, she gave the rest back for somebody else to use them. Jessica founded what's called the Scholarship Academy, uh, which is working to help students get out there and find those unused scholarships. 
She has helped students and her, her organization has helped students find $35 million of scholarships and reduce their student debt loads by half. And again, this is one of those things where most people just look at the student debt crisis and say, well, I guess that's really sad. You know, kids are racking up a lot of, a lot of debt in college. Uh, and she got in and did something about it. I think that also takes some naive, naivete to get in and do something and actually see it happen. That's impressive. I, I, I know also uh, in order to get these scholarships, you need to be a good student. Uh, they're probably not giving the scholarships to failing students. Of course, failing students are probably not even going to look at it or want to even be aware of this. Um, this comes back to there's also scholarships in athletics for girls, boys. Uh, I was on a full scholarship, and I one of my somebody asked me on a radio show what what's a, a greatest accomplishment in your life, and, I, and I've had a blessed life and. Of course, it's raising children, and, and um, that would be at the top of the list. But we helped at a, a tennis uh, school that, that we had, a tennis uh, indoor tennis academy, $24 million in college scholarships in tennis alone. So it, if you are in a sport and you can visualize that, there are scholarships out there academically as – uh, Seth's talking about, but also uh, uh, athletically. Uh, but if you do want these scholarships, you need to focus on being the best you can be in that niche, whatever it is. And this comes back to another radio show said, how do you become successful? And I, there's no quick answer. It, it Success is various things to different people. It's not always about money, but when it comes to business, I found that the people that are most successful are experts at what they do. So if you're a student, be an expert student. Uh, if you're a tennis player, be the best expert you can in that sport. And if you have a business, be an expert in your niche, uh, your product line, your service line. Uh, and, and so are there really shortcuts to being successful? Uh, I think you have to work at it. But you need to narrow your focus and stay with it. And um, I know that's one of the things I've done in my career. I, I was coaching the score system in 1974, and I'm still coaching the score system. And, of course, you can't get too laser-focused. We're going to get into the, into the Zone Cafe, you know, as, as we always do when we go out on the show. If you're brand new to this whole thing, to having a blueprint for your life, to changing the way you think, you might be thinking, oh, I've only heard two episodes. You know, maybe, maybe what I need to do is just get hyper obsessed with my business or my primary goal. And you are more than just the person who wants to achieve that big primary goal. It, what, what I think is so fascinating is that over 2,500 clients that Jim has had, people don't just like succeed at baseball or in the boardroom or in the creative world. They also wind up getting better at everything. And I believe it was... Uh, one of our guests that said, you know, not only did my business start making a lot more money, I got a lot better at golf after I had a blueprint for my life. And so if, the, you know, you've got something out there that you love, that is for you, that takes you into a place where you rejuvenate, you recharge when you're out there. One of the best things that you can do is make an investment in yourself to be as good at it as you possibly can. And if golf is that thing for you, 
why not have an incredible 2018 out on the golf course? Well, Seth, I have a golf in the zone school. I've done 100 of these. So I, let me ask everybody, this is for golfers. Have you ever made two birdie putts in a row? You either have or you haven't. And if you have, have you made three in a row? Have you solidly struck a driver right down center cut in the middle of the fairway, laser right to a target? And do you remember getting up and down for a big win? Do you remember your best round of golf? And if you remember these, uh, the answer is you probably experienced a phenomenon called the zone. So I've been doing golf in the zone schools. I've got one coming up. I'm excited because I'm doing this with uh, my partner in the golf in the zone uh, school, uh, sidekick Brian Mogg, Golf Magazine, top 100 instructor. He's one of the best in the world. So if you're looking for a unique golf experience to play golf in the zone, play your best golf. And uh, here's a a quote from one of uh, the school graduates. This is from Chris Benner, a graduate of a golf in the zone school. I lost eight strokes with my same old swing. And how did he do that? Uh, He learned how to attract the zone on the golf course. Uh, So if that's something you're looking to do, you can go to jimfannon.com. Right on the homepage, uh, there's a banner uh, ad for the Golf in the Zone school. Click on it. The next school open to the public, maximum 20 students. Uh, you're going to get a hands-on instruction from myself, uh, Brian Mogg. Uh, it's a full day. It's going to be at the Coghill Golf and Country Club in Lamont, Illinois, just outside of Chicago. It's May 15th. This year, May 15th, that's a Tuesday. Full day school, 8.30 to 4.30. Again, a minimum of 10 attendees, maximum of 20. And to enroll, just go to Jim Fannin, J-I-M-F-A-N-N-I-N.com. I would love for you to be in the school, and you're going to pick up a lot of tips on the score system and how to attract the zone. And there will be tools you'll be able to take in other arenas of your life. But we're focused on lowering your handicap and winning your next event. We are going to send you out in just a moment to have your best week ever via the uh, the Zone Cafe. Before we do that, little mailbag, askjim at jimfannon.com. That's askjim at jimfannon.com. Hey, Jim, wondering if you could help out my 16-year-old who's starting to look at what college to go to eventually and feels totally overwhelmed by the sheer number of options before her. Well, that's a major decision. Uh, it was a major decision in my life. It was a major decision in uh, my oldest uh, daughter's life, uh, picking the right school. Uh, I, I think the first thing you need to do is, do you have a passion for what you would like to do as a career? And many 16-year-olds don't have a clue. Uh, so that is a challenge. So you're going to need a more well-rounded education. The other thing, how close to home do I really want to be? Do I want to be close enough to come home on the weekends, probably bringing laundry home? Do I want to be that close or do I want to go somewhere I've never been and on the other side of the country? My, my daughter, I uh, live in Chicago. She said, I'm going to Montana. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> uh, it's not easy to get to Montana. There's not that many flights. It's a long drive. And she was fortunate enough to get a college scholarship but I think you really need to narrow it down. I think you need to research the schools thoroughly, the campus, uh, everything it has to offer. And then you need to make up your mind. Do I want to be a 
little tiny fish in a big Ohio State, Michigan, uh, uh, you know, big pond, University of Kentucky, you know? Or would I rather be a big fish in a smaller private school that maybe only has uh, a thousand people enrolled as opposed to 40, 50,000 enrollment? And I would eliminate those factors first small school versus big school, what part of the country. And then there's probably nothing more intimate and memorable than uh, setting up a schedule with your son or daughter and traveling around and seeing college campuses with your kid. I remember uh, doing that with my oldest, and we get to the University of Montana, and there's a river uh, that cuts through the campus in Missoula, Montana. And just as we get there, a raft came down the water, and there were four guys in there that are college students with no shirts, and they all had six-packs and ripped. And I turned, and my daughter had this big grin on her face, and I go, what? And she goes, Nothing, Dad. <laughs> but, but I knew, I knew that all of a sudden, this campus was moving up in the. Uh, I, I think I, I might like to go there. But that trip with her is memorable, and we we took several trips. So enjoy the moment. Uh, it's a transition for mom and dad, not just the kid. And choose wisely. Just be diligent. Do your research. Uh, it's a big decision. It really is. And no one thing. If you do choose poorly, you can change. You know, you can go somewhere else. You can transfer credits. But that's also going to a school where you could make an adjustment. And um, it's a great time. But it is a significant transition for your son or daughter and definitely for you. And, of course, we always go out on the same thing each episode. And the reason we do that is because you, you don't need to be checking on this in your own life just once a week. You need to be taking a look at your score level every day. And, you know, especially on an episode where we've really talked about the self and taking care of you so that you can execute those, you know, well-defined blueprints and be there for your family and be a fully formed human being. You've really got to be looking in on your score level. And there's five elements, five things on the menu that we always help you to come back to. And we're going to ask you to order one thing right now. You can always come back later for a different arena of your life, a different time to keep that score level high. So Jim, what do we got on the menu? Well, each of us have higher low levels of self-discipline, concentration, optimism, relaxation, enjoyment. And through research, we know that these five markers trigger natural chemicals and those five markers form a domino-like chain, which really dictates your overall arcing attitude. So instead of saying, have a good attitude uh, with my clients, how's your score level? And you're responsible, Seth, and, and so am I. I'm responsible, and everyone listening. You're responsible for your own repairs, your weak link, uh, what is missing, so choose one area of your life, or you can do this overarching your overall life. Uh, let's talk about what you can order because we're cooking up a big batch of these five ingredients. Do you need more commitment, more willingness to stay with routines and tasks, 
that's going to lead you to well-defined goals, that's going to take you to your vision, that's a blueprint, uh, that's strategy, that tactics. Well, if that's what's missing right now, you need self-discipline. And Seth, I think we have a giant bag of self-discipline. We're going to push it through the window into your car to drive away. But if you need self-discipline, place that order. Be aware of it, and uh, off you go. That may be your missing link. But maybe, maybe you do have a blueprint. Maybe you are disciplined. But maybe you need to focus mental and physical energy on the tasks that lead to those goals. Maybe you need more focus, and maybe you have too many balls in the air trying to do too much um, at, 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 too, at the same time. And if you need to narrow your focus, uh, we've got a slab of concentration that's going to narrow your focus like a laser and, and get you to lock in on what you want as opposed to what you don't want. And if you need that, order concentration right now. Now, you may have both of those, and maybe they're intact. But maybe you don't have the confidence. Maybe you have a little sliver of doubt that keeps creeping in and a little self-talk of negativity. Eh, shoulda, coulda, woulda, maybe, maybe it won't work. And I don't know. I don't know if I can do this. Well, that's optimism. And if you need more optimism, which governs confidence and self-esteem and trust that what you have is enough, if that's what you need, to take you over the top, to have a zone week, well, you need to order that right now. we got a big heaping plate of optimism. And as soon as that uh, comes into your life, you're going to feel like you're six foot eight, your chin's going to be up, and you're going to look at solutions as opposed to challenges in your life. But maybe you have those three. Maybe they're pretty, pretty in, intact, but you feel a little stressed. you got a little worry little anxiety. Maybe you're not breathing six day breaths a minute. Um, maybe you're concerned about stuff. Maybe there's a little fear in your life. You need a tall drink of relaxation. That's going to change your serotonin level. And that's, that's the ability to be comfortable executing that blueprint that you set out for yourself. And that's mentally comfortable and physically comfortable. That's having peacefulness and tranquility and harmony in your life. And if that's what you need, get that tall, big uh, jug of relaxation. Seth will put that right through the drive-up window. And uh, if that's what you need, select that now. But maybe, maybe you need the end product. Maybe you need the happy meal. You know, we can be disciplined. We can be focused. We can be confident. We can be pretty cool and relaxed, especially in a one of life's hurricanes, but maybe we need more passion, more zest, more pep in our step, little dopamine flowing into the bloodstream. Maybe we need to smile more. Maybe we're trying actually too hard and we're starting to overanalyze and overthink and get in our own way. And if that's the case, let's get a giant happy meal of enjoyment. And that's having the pleasure and satisfaction of executing all these tasks that lead to your goal, executing that blueprint. And if you need a little more pep, a little more excitement, a little more smile, a little more music in your life, uh, order that enjoyment happy meal. We definitely have that. So, Seth, what are you going to order this week? You know what? I'm going to go with optimism. 
I'm going to make sure that there's no slivers of doubt jumping in there and there's no, well, maybe kind of, sort of, I can do this. It is expectancy. It is knowing what I'm going after this week, this month. And really, I'm, I'm focused on the quarter. And so that's what I need. Jim, what are you ordering off the menu here? Well, Seth, I, I'm going to go with concentration. I, I'm very optimistic. Uh, I've got a lot of people I'm helping. I'm excited about that. I'm passionate about it. I'm very comfortable helping people. Uh, but there's a lot of opportunities coming uh, my way, and I need to say no to many of them. I can only do what I can do, and I need to narrow my focus, finish the task at hand before I move on to something else, and uh, concentration is something I'm going to get a, a, a giant plateful of concentration uh, to narrow my focus. I know that's the best way for me to help other people is for me to focus. So if I can really put a bow on this whole thing, keep checking that score level every day and you make sure that you take care of your health, your surroundings, and your mindset, and then you're marching towards that blueprint and nothing's going to stop you. Yeah, and if you haven't uh, ordered the blueprint, you can go to Amazon, get the book. I mean, it. this is the blueprint and it works. And I somebody said, why is it the blueprint? To my knowledge, it is the only blueprint that really works with the mind and the body, and it's brain science. It's based on that, and it's been proven by almost 2,500. We're approaching 2,500 individuals have used this to be successful in 50 industries and, and 10 professional sports in every amateur sport. Nothing great happens without a blueprint, so you can get it at Amazon or you can go to jimfannon.com, but... You need to create that blueprint so that you can be your genuine, authentic best self. You know, Jim, I do just want to add a note there that I was back in the blueprint this morning. And of course, I mean, I got the book way before, you know, the general public did because I'm working on the show with you. And this is not a book that you're going to read, put down, walk away and say, oh, it's pretty good. If you're really executing your blueprint, you're actually going to keep going back to the book, keep going back to the plan. And as you see results start to happen in your life, you're just going to double down even more because there's nothing that makes you want to succeed more like having that first taste of success of, oh, having a blueprint, getting out of chaos is working. And so this is, I think, the single best investment you can make in your 2018. Well, it's not just the investment into a book. This is an investment into you. And that's what this show today is all about. There is a chapter in the book just on self, your self arena, but there's chapters on every aspect of your life, your relationship. There's a chapter on that. It's pretty in depth. It has visions, goals, tasks, and key people in one particular area. And these are goals and tasks and visions. I didn't make them up. These are real clients, visions, goals, task for every arena and keep people every arena of their life. So this book is uh, a composite of 40 some years, over 2,500 individual clients. And uh, I'm excited about it, but I'm more excited about what can you do with it? Make the investment to be your genuine, authentic best self. Everybody listening, be in the zone. That purposeful, calm feeling where nothing can go wrong and we'll see you next week be in the zone everybody be in the zone
Hey, you guys, it's me, the fabulous sports babe. How wonderful is that? I'm on Radio Influence, I'm on iTunes, I'm on Stitcher, and it's on a bunch of stuff that I can't get on my phone because I don't figure out how to do it. But if you want to do that, you get my lovely podcast now. You can go and do this. You can be mowing the lawn. You can go into the moon. You can do any of that stuff, and you can listen to the fabulous sports babe. I'll have a lot of people to talk to because, after all, that's what I do is just annoy them all the time. It's the fabulous sports babe. It's right here on Radio Influence.